Well, hello, dear. And this is our premiere episode. Our first episode. Oh, I'm already struggling. Are you struggling already? Dear? I'm already struggling, struggling with get words. That I'm, get, I'm, I'm all comfy now. Yeah. I'm, all I'm comfy. sorry we haven't got a red carpet or we're not wearing our tuxedos for this our first ever episode. No, we are just uh, in yeah. the casual attire. But this is kind of Sunday afternoon in my lounge. It is. So, you it know, is. There we are. There we okay. are. Okay. Maybe we'll be, maybe they'll, we'll be setting up some design trends. I when don't... they see the clips of this room, they'll be thinking, "Oh, <laughs> I think I'll have the same, the same, the um, same book bookshelf case. with all the DVDs in, and yeah, the, the same, the same... Uh, color scheme." You know, yeah. it does need a repaint. Actually, I'd probably do as well. But there we go. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. So here we are. Here we are. Our first ever episode. We we have a podcast now. We do. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. We... I'm very much looking forward to sharing a few things from the week with you. Yes, from the week from our lives. From the week, a week of our lives. A week of our lives. There used to be a, an American soap opera called Days of Our Lives. Oh, yes. I, I, I think it's still running, actually. Yeah. We could call it A Week of Our Lives. A Week of Our you Lives. Know. You know, there what, we go. What has been happening in your life this week? Anything interesting? Well, what have, what's been happening to me this week? Well, I've been to see a lot. I've visited a lot of people. Nice, very nice. Um, particularly in South London, where I used to live. Uh, one old le- a friend of mine, um, who I, I've known for many years, I went to visit her and her family. Nice. Um, and on Friday night, I went to the British Film Institute, of which I am a member, and I actually saw a movie that's a hundred years old. Wow. A silent movie. Almost as old as you. Oh, shut up. Don't shut up. <laughs> and I wasn't at the premiere of that. <laughs> it was Rudolph Valentino in Blood and Sand, and it was actually very, very good. It was really good. With piano accompaniments and everything. It's probably more your kind of thing than my kind of thing. Well, yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was my partner's birthday, so yes. we did a little bit of a... We did an escape room, or two, actually, which was good fun. We yeah. had to escape an oil rig as it was uh, blowing up, and we had to stop it from blowing up. And we saved we saved the oil rig. Right. And then, what was the other one? It was like a barber shop, the other one. And it was like a, a, a inspector, kind of police inspector, who... It was weird. It started in a barber shop, and then suddenly we were stopping missiles <coughs> from striking across the world. It was a bit odd, but it was good fun. I, I It's been a while since I did an escape room. I think the last one I did was back at school when we had that... Activities day, and we all used to pop out. But um, there you I'm, go. I'm happy to say I've never been in an escape room. Oh, we should do one. Oh, it'd be good fun. <laughs> well, that could be another episode. That us what in an escape room. In the escape room? <laughs> oh, we should do exactly. one. Yes, we should. Oh, we should. That'd be so much fun. Yes, you know, we'll give it a go. We we'll go. find out. Exactly. Anyway, sh- should we get the episode started? I think we ought to really. Welcome to Hello Dear, the podcast where age is just a number and opinions come with a touch of laughter. I'm Kieran, the young perspective on the twists and turns of life today. And I'm Neil, the seasoned voice of yesterday with a flair for drama and a love for life. Together we're here to chat to you about everything under the sun, from the latest trends to the timeless tales of our own experiences. So grab your favourite beverage, get comfy and join us as we explore the complexities of life. Lovely. So today we're going to be talking about a film that you recommended I go and see. And I was on my list of things to go see anyway. I'd yes. seen it on um, 
there was they were on the Graham Norton show, and I think it was all over my TikTok as well. Yeah. Um, so, do you want to? I mean, you went to the premiere, didn't you, or one of the premieres? Or was it a preview? I, mean, not I premier. went to a preview yes. again at the BFI, but there wasn't piano accompaniment and it wasn't silent. Oh, no, yeah, thank goodness, are. really. Yeah, and yeah. Tell us more about it. I'm well, the film's called All of Us Strangers, directed by Andrew Haig, and it stars um, Andrew Scott mm-hmm. and Paul Mescal. Two very talented men and attractive men. Just yeah, Well, yes, yes. yes. And also, um, Jamie Bell. Well, my God, has he grown up since he did Billy Elliot? Into a very good actor. I do you know what? I recognise the face and I had no idea yeah, where it's from. Jamie Bell. Yeah. Of course. He turned into a really wow. good actor. Yeah, yeah. And Claire Foy. Yes. Uh, as well, who play Andrew Scott's parents in it. In flashbacks, if you like, a kind of flashback. Kind of, yeah. but it was uh, again. It's not quite until the end. I don't want to spoil too much if you haven't seen it, but yeah. it was a very well thought out and written film really wasn't it it was yeah and beautifully photographed oh the cinematography was incredible you know more about that than me being a photographer yes well it was just i think and i read into the cinematography a bit as well and the way that they shot the both actors and the way they gave them space on screen and there was more space uh they used wider angles at the beginning and then as they grew closer together the angles got closer and there were a lot more close-ups and it's not something you clock as you're watching it but when you read about it after it's it makes so much sense you know and it definitely helps yeah it was subtle the film was very good at subtleties and showing things and hinting at things without making it really obvious which and they they absolutely nailed that perfectly um again without spoiling too much there was a point where uh the parents disappear um, after these flashbacks and you know some films would put a horrible fade or like this cool effect but they just slowly blurred and then we didn't really see them disappear but we knew they'd gone it was a really clever way of of doing that I think I think also you know this is this business of and it's, this is true of theatre as well Mr Drama Teacher as was <laughs> but it's this business of trusting the audience to have an intelligence of their own yes yeah yeah definitely so very often some uh, filmmakers and and you know playwrights, they they hammer it th- things away at the audience, and the audience know already. The audience may in fact be three or four steps ahead of them. Yeah, you know, um, and this this allowed for that. It's a very subtle film, extremely yeah. subtle film, very beautifully made, and also um, I think it was a great study in loneliness, the loneliness of being a gay person. Definitely. Um, and that quiet despair at the very again, I'm not spoiling here. Uh, the very beginning of the film, we see Andrew Scott going around his uh, apartment. Yeah. Um, and it's this exercise, this study in quiet despair. You know, there are leftovers from takeaway meals. Things are left lying around. It's this huge apartment block, very posh, very smart. Um, but it seems cold, and he seems lost in his own in his own environment, and uh, in, his, in his own domain. It was know. interesting how they used time, and um, you saw time passing, but he wasn't really moving too much. No, and you could you no. understood that this could be days, it could be weeks, it could just yeah. just been the last day. And it, yeah. I quite like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. what was what 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 was your takeaway from the film? What was the film about for you? Do you think? For me, it was about loneliness and despair, and also about grief. Because um, the main character, the Andrew Scott character playing Adam, he lost his parents in a car crash when he was 11. 
Um, and it was about him trying to move on from that. How you sometimes you can't move away from that. And it's very interesting. At the very beginning of the film, he's a, he's a, he's a writer, um, and he's a, the screen. The, he's a screenwriter, and the scene that he's writing, if we look closely, the the, the camera goes on there, is is about his parents. It. I was trying to work out: is he writing what he sees? Is right. that because you, you know it opened the the one line we see is exterior. Victorian yeah. home or something. Yeah, yeah. And that's the first shot we see with his parents. I'm and I thought, yeah, is he living the script he's writing? Yeah. But anyway, that's a whole separate. That's a whole separate possibility. Thing. But but so he's 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 stuck in this grief. He can't move on. It's about. I think it's not about as much about grief as being able to move on from that in a traumatic experience like that. And this is over thirty years ago. Don't forget, he's in his late forties and he was eleven when it happened. But it's also about. I think moving on from your own childhood, mm. you know, your own innocence, you know, if you're trying to come out as a gay person and cope with your sexuality. Um, I almost wrote a personal note to the director about this, actually. You know, I said he's trying to cope with his, his lonesome, irksome, yeah. troublesome <clears throat> sexuality. Uh, that's what it seems to be for him. There seems much joy no, in, and in I, his life, you know. And of course, again, Mr. Drama teacher's talking again. Um, he's listening to me today, dear I listeners. never did when you taught me. I never, <laughs> exactly. I never listened. Because <laughs> he has to. Um, but it, it's also about who are the people who are not in the movie? He doesn't seem to have any friends. No. They're not mentioned. Neither of them do. Neither of them do. These two guys who somehow get together in this apartment block. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and the one thing I've learned as a gay person is that you have to have friends. Yes. You know, lovers come and go, relationships come and go. But your friends, friends are the ones that stick by you for it all. Uh, well, they Whatever should. Whatever happens. One well, hopes they do. Your, your true friends. One hopes they will. That's know. part of discovering who your friends are, I suppose. But exactly. Yeah. I'm sure you found that as a young gay person Oh, yourself. even in the past few years. And I think um, <clears> especially <throat> the impact that relationships have on friendships. And I've lost friends... Uh, because of relationships I've been in and I probably had every right to not be my friend anymore after, you know, the way you act and things, but I guess you learn from that and your true friends will understand that and, you know, but at the same time, some people don't have time for that. Yeah. Um, what would you say the film was about for you? Uh, for, I, don't, I think rather than the film as a whole, there were moments that resonated with me quite a bit. I'd agree with you, the film was definitely about grief, about moving on, about processing trauma but there were some standout moments for me and I think those were the moments of dis like self-discovery and coming to terms with sexuality and especially uh I remember I texted you after I'd seen it and I said I, I resonated so much with Andrew Scott's character Adam and it was especially the scene where he was sat opposite his mother and he came out to her um and uh it just read I was it brought me back to when I came out to my own parents and it was um I'd say now Andrew Scott's um, mother in the film had quite a blunt reaction is that fair to say and but I don't think it was out of it was out of misunderstanding and a lack of education or knowledge around what it was to be gay and I'd say that was somewhat similar to my experience my parents were 
totally fine with it and loved me and there was never any conflict there. But unless you're gay, you're not fully aware of what it means to be gay. And I don't think you can ever understand that. And I think that was the main struggle for me was my parents now wanted to understand a part of me that I wasn't ready to talk about. Now, it's interesting because Andrew Scott's character was ready to talk about it and challenged his mother on some of the things she said. But I wasn't at f 15 ready to challenge that because I didn't understand it myself. And I think it was really interesting. It was quite nice to see what that was like as him to tell his mother and to kind of show her what it was to be gay. Because I think that's what I do. I, sit, I have conversations with my parents now and we talk about things and, you know, they might say something and I'll, I'm able to call them out on and i'd say call them out as if it's a bad thing but like educate them essentially on you know the world today and things have changed and it's not their fault i mean the world was a different place 40 years ago wasn't it yeah it was and i think we got to remember that andrew scott is imagining telling his parents his mother his yes. parents and he's sitting there as a 45 year old man doing that because his parents died when he was 11 the, the other interest, you know. like you said, he's imagining it. And I think almost the process we saw on screen was the process that goes through our own mind when we come out to people. Yes. We almost think, oh, God, like, we're they're imagining think what, this. We were imagining what the reaction might be. Exactly. But I think there's a couple of things there. Is that she, the mother, was beautifully played by Claire Foy. Um, she is blunt because she's shocked. Yes. That's, it Which, comes, again, yeah. was the same with my parents. as They had no idea. Which yeah. I, I think you get some parents who are like, oh, I knew since you were one and you played with that, you know, that Barbie yeah. doll or whatever. But my parents hadn't yeah. a clue. Yeah. It's funny because I, I was thinking back to my own, you know, these last few months or so, I get flashbacks of, of things that have happened in my earlier life. Hmm. Um, more and more I get these. Um, and um, some of them I laugh at. Other ones I kind of feel, oh, did that really happen and all that? Um, and I, I'm, I've had, I came out to my parents when I was 22. Um, but I think they knew all along. What was that like? Because it was obviously a different time and it wasn't as easy. It was tough. And I did it. And they were accepting. My mum initially said it was a phase I was going through. Yeah even at 22, and she kept thinking I'd get a girlfriend. Um, my father accepted it. He, he, he struggled at first. He had a bad reaction. But then he was very accepting, and they were both very accepting after that, and they've always accepted my gay friends, and my father was waiting for me to bring the boyfriend home and all of that. Um, and if people came out on the television, he'd remind me of who's, you know, he quite it liked was, the yeah. idea that, you know, you know, I was up there with Rock Hudson and all this and people <laughs> who were, you know, oh, my son's like, you know. He, he kind of got into it then, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was like that, really. Um, and I think um, it's tough for anybody. Having said that, we were just talking in the kitchen. Um, for some people in my generation and older, mm -hmm. who have gone now, they probably never told their parents at all. You see, I never knew if you told your parents or not, and I was wondering whether that was something you know, that you were able to do even, because... Yeah, it, it, it was diff different. I mean, you were 22, so what, it was the... I'd left university by then. What year? What, what was the, seven, the 70s? 1975, yeah. which, is, which is earlier than the film. 
yes. 10 years earlier than I thought. Yeah. One of the things that may come out of this podcast is we're all the victims of history. Yeah. You know, we're all the victims of history. It, it, it's when are you born? You, you, it's all dependent on when you're born. And this is what this podcast is all about, really, because mm. I'm a 70-year-old man and you're a 23-year-old man who happen to share the same sexuality. Yes. You know? And I mean, that it's all to do with, with, with that, really, um, I think. I think it's a little bit sad that this movie has kind of been promoted for its sex scenes. Yeah. You were saying that. I was saying that because we were speaking about this last week before I'd seen the film. And, you know, on the Graham Norton show and all the little interviews and stuff, they were they were all talking about how, you know, frivolous and, you know, naughty this film was. And honestly, there was one long sex scene and that was kind of it. And even then it wasn't raunchy. There was a bit of um, Paul Meskel's butt and that was kind of it. But it was never... They were very, very... It was conveyed very well and it was... You could tell what was going on without explicitly saying you know, what was happening, but there was sex happening on screen, but you never saw any of it. But you, if anything, it drew you in closer to the characters and you understood the intimacy of it without having to see the sex happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it was about two people coming together physically. Yes, yes, exactly. End End of, in their own individual lonely need, you know. And um, I have seen similar scenes. I've seen, you know, more explicit scenes in movies that weren't specifically gay. Yeah. You know, two of the characters end up having a gay relationship or something, you know, that aren't specifically gay, um, for instance. Um, Or there are two gay characters in the cast, you know. Do you think we should be seeing gay sex more on screen as a way of normalising it? Do you think, or do you think the way they went about it was the best way to accurately represent it? I think it's about what the scene is about. Yeah. It's not the scene, it's how you play it. It's why you're doing that scene. Is there a reason for my scene? You learnt this in drama, or maybe you didn't. I don't think I did. No, 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 no. We won't go into that one, (laughs) Kieran. But I think that's what it's about. You know, I mean, is, is my scene really necessary? Is my character really necessary? Is my line really necessary? You know, um, that's what it's about. And and so in this case, yes, it was. They were coming together as two people, two very lonely people, and finding each other, Yes, sort of. And I think that kind of comes on to the next thing that we wanted to talk about, which was that the coming out was one part, but the other part was losing that innocence and yeah. growing through your sexuality into a mature character. Yeah. And, and you, um, Andrew Scott's character, I think from the beginning still had discovery to do. Would you say that's fair? Like he, he wasn't fully sure of, or maybe he was, but we saw that exploration on screen. Yeah. He didn't seem to be happy in his own skin. No. And that's a big deal. Yeah. A big deal. I found it interesting um, when he had that first intimate scene with Paul Mescal and they were starting to kiss and stuff. Yeah. And he forgot to breathe during kissing. Yeah. Do you remember? He was like, oh, I forgot to breathe. And because, again, he obviously wasn't... It, whether that was part of him not being comfortable completely, or he said it... I think he said... The character said, um, it's been a while since I've done this. But, you know, you yeah. think about the reasoning why. Is that internalised 
you know, just like uh, uncomfortable with the fact that he's gay? Is that you don't know where that's come from? Is it the trauma of his parents? I mean, it's the it begs two questions. Is it a while since he's done it? Yeah. Has he ever done it at all? Yeah. Um, he didn't seem to give that impression in. No, I can't remember whether whether the, um, Harry, the Paul Mescal's character, was kind of leading him. He was definitely leading. The, he made you know the chase yeah, <laughs> as such. Yeah, yeah. Um, it may be that really. And the other thing that the um, the mother Claire Foy says it eventually it's going to be a lonely life for you. Yes, and this obviously is is Adam Andrew Scott putting the words into her head, into her mouth, mm. really, because mm. she never said that to him. But it's been true. From what we can see as an audience, he is in a lonely life. Yeah. You know. Um, I think it's a reality. <clears throat> I yeah. think it's... There's a, there's a lot of pressure, and I think it's that kind of initial how do you meet people. And yeah. when you're trying to come to terms with your sexuality... Yeah. And again, I think it was probably very different for me. I could load up a dating app and kind of match with these people and talk to them. But that doesn't, I don't think that's necessarily a way of just, you know, you, you're jumping head first into it that way. I kind of want to circle back to what you said there about his mum's character and saying, oh, it'll be a lonely life. And <clears throat> she she very much said the stereotypes of what it is to be gay and oh, is it safe? What about that disease? And, yeah. you know, and I, my, my parents' initial concern was, you know, uh, and the other was the thing she said, are you going to be bullied? Are you bullied? Like, I mean, all these are, are very good concerns from parents. They, they are. They should be. But it's the... I, I found when I came out, I didn't want to hear that from my parents. Right. What I wanted was, we love you, it doesn't matter, carry on. Yeah. But I think there was an urgency to suddenly understand me and they've yeah. missed this part of my life and they should have yeah. known this as parents. That's what they felt. How did they, How did we miss he was gay? Yeah. And I think they felt responsibility, and therefore it, it yeah. felt like question after question after question. Uh, maybe I wasn't ready to come out. I don't think I was, to be honest. I think I came out about a year too soon. Why? Um, Why? But my parents knew I was upset, <clears throat> and I sort of felt like I had to tell them. But it's, The other side of that is, um, at that point, you were beginning to have a private life. Yes, yeah. I just say that to my students. The older you get in secondary school, the more you begin to have a proper private life. And also, we think we're in our own world and that we're, we're the centre of the universe. We're not. None of us is. Not even me. You know, parents have all sorts of things to consider and think about and, and worries even. You know, I'm not saying your parents, but financial worries or they've got other siblings to, to consider. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, and sometimes we're, we're not at the centre of their orbit. You know. No, yeah, of course. And then suddenly, oh, oh, I've got to... It's kind of a shock, got, isn't it? Oh, this we've is got to address another, this. Yeah, You've yeah. got to address this in some way. I bet you would like to have been a fly on the wall to their conversations just after you told them when they're on their own. Do you know what? I think that would have helped me better understand them. Likewise. Because I likewise, think yeah. when you, when you yeah. hold this secret for so long, and I think <clears> I, I knew I was gay for... I don't know, six months before I came out a year, maybe. And you hold this secret and then suddenly you let it out. And it's no longer you. It becomes your thing almost, doesn't it? That secret. And then suddenly it's other people's. And I think you've then got to balance the relationship. I mean, going back to what you said that, you know, 
you're having a private life. Like, I was 14, 15 when I came out. The middle of puberty. Like, yeah. You've got enough going on anyway. Yeah, yeah. You're, str- you're probably having arguments with your parents more regularly. You're, you're yeah. in those teenage years. And then this kind because of... Because you want to have your private life. Exactly. And then this yeah. throws a spanner in the works. Yeah. And then almost everything they say, I remember taking really personally. Like, it was, be careful if you're talking to people online. And then I was like, oh, what? Just because I'm gay and I'm talking to people. But that's just them being parents. It doesn't matter yeah. whether I was gay or straight, but everything suddenly became offensive to me because yeah. I think I felt like it all came from this big secret because it was such a big yeah. thing. And that's what yeah. I think that was my biggest struggle. Yeah. And I remember not going home. I remember staying at school and Ooh. doing art until like 7 p.m. and stuff. But it, they'd never done anything wrong. And I think it was just, there's no way to avoid that. It was just suddenly coming out is also learning that that's no longer a secret and it's okay to kind of be comfortable with that and that's that kind of the whole point of growing into yourself it's becoming comfortable with the fact that other people now know this big secret it's true very true i mean it's very different for me because i told them when i was on back home from london for a while for a short while it was over christmas actually and um then i went back and i was backwards and forwards seeing them you know so i wasn't living with them as such Mm. You know, that, that yeah. was different, very different. Yeah, you were at a different point in your life, really, weren't you? You, yeah. you were and, at, and at university, I knew, and it was who do I tell, who, do I, who don't I tell? Yeah. You know, you're, uh, am I telling the right person? You know, there was, it was very different. I mean, there were no, there's no mobile phone, so obviously no dating apps. You had the telephone and letters. Yeah. And that was it. And conversation, of course. Suppose, There's always conversation, you know. Of course. We don't have to text. No, we, we can pick up the phone. But I suppose safety <clears throat> was probably more a big concern for you. It's true. I mean, I was thinking in the week we were going to make this podcast, but I read a book somewhere quite a while back. Mm. And if you think that gay people in this country were only decriminalised officially in 1967... I went to university in 1972, mm. not long after. And you can create a law which decriminalizes people, which promotes, um, you know... Inclusivity uh, and... All that. Yeah. But um, it doesn't mean that people's prejudices will change. No, no not It doesn't at all. mean that the culture will change. You can, you can have a law which accepts gay people, but do gay, does the world out there accept you, you know? It took a long, long time, I think. It was still gay marriage. That was 2013 that became legal, 2011. Still really recent. And I think it's very recent. I mean, we are, you know, know, um, I I think it's it's one thing I always used to get annoyed with when, um, you know, gay activists start moaning about this and moaning about that. I'm not an activist of any kind, really, but um, I'm expecting that the world will change in five minutes. It can't. No, no, yeah. It can't. You know, um, expecting that structures will change and all that, it can't. It's gradual. I, I mean, when I, in 67, you had to be 21. 21. Yeah, and I think it even... Then it became 18. Yeah, and then yeah. finally back down to 16 where... Yeah, so it's, 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 the it's same, different. Yeah. So I think maybe because mm-hmm. you're your age, I'm I'm my age... It's learning to understand the gay experience over, not the centuries, my dear, <laughs> but over the decades. And, th- and I think that's a wonderful thing because there's so much I can learn from you and I hope there are things you can learn from me. Well, there's things I, I still question and I ask you and 
I mean, I, my dissertation was about um, activism during the AIDS crisis. I remember sending it to you after. That's right. I did read it. Oh my God, the change he had to make, the spelling and all that. <laughs> Are you, got, you should re- maybe you should read it out one of the podcasts. Oh, I think I'm sure we'd love people. to hear it. <laughs> we'd really love to hear it. But I really enjoyed l- learning about because it is my history in a way. It's kind of how yeah. far have we come? How much further is there to go? And what yeah. is there left to do? Yeah. Um, and you know we talk about dates and you know it's decriminalised here. It became legal at this point. But really, I think it's the public's perception, and that links back to what we've been talking about and coming out and coming to terms with yourself is becoming easier because people are more open to it. And, um, you know, with with TV where it is now, it's great that we can watch a film like this. It gets on all of the talk shows and it's spoken about. Yeah. And it's not hidden. And the, yeah. the thing that gets spoken about is the fact that this is about two gay men who are in love. Yeah. yeah. And it's a... Well, it's more than that. It's more than that, the film. Um, no, but it's in the fact that that's the topic they choose to speak about exactly. on these talk shows is exactly. really powerful and really great. Yeah, on a on a you know on mainstream television, these things are talked about. Yeah, not just on documentaries or. No, this is general know, conversation. You know, yeah, and accepted. What a step forward! And hopefully, we'll be stepping forward into a new episode very soon. We will. So we plan to have an episode every week. We look forward to next week. Really. We look forward to hearing from you, and we hope that you'll look forward to hearing from us. What a lovely end, Neil. What a lovely end. Oh, it's so schmoozy. It's so schmoozy. (laughs) (laughs) Sunday afternoon schmooze. Oh, should we go have a glass of wine? I think we should. I think we should. You've been listening to Hello Dear, presented by Kieran and Neil. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts for a new episode every Wednesday. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok under at hellodearpod. Want to get involved further? Why not click the link in the description of this podcast and record us a voice message or type us a little hello with your questions, feedback or suggestions. See you next week.